Welcome to Disrespectfully Agree with Oatman and LJ. I am LJ. Cross from me is Mr. Oatman. What's good, everybody? You keep saying you got something for me. Something you call love, but confess. This week, we're talking about Ocean's 8. The B- B- bullshit. No, we are. Oh. We're, we're talking about Ocean's 8. That's not. That's true. Oh. Uh, this uh, stars... I call that my early review. This stars Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Woo! Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, among many others, Sarah Paulson, so on and so forth, Rihanna, Helena Bottom Carter. There's a ton of uh, people in this thing. Dr- Anna Winter. Directed and co-written by Gary Ross, he of Seabiscuit, Hunger Games, and Pleasantville fame. We'll start off here with some spoiler-free conversation, or at least mostly spoiler-free, and then we'll transition to spoiler talk. We'll let you know when that happens. Oatman, you seem to have feelings about this movie. Yes, I do. Oddly enough, me and LJ are doing a bit of a switch this episode. LJ, as you know, likes nothing. He finds no joy in life and has a black hole where his heart should be. And so Say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> and so often, he never likes anything. This film he kind of liked. And I am the LJ. I am the cur. I am the uh, curmudgeon. The curmudgeon of this. Let's episode. not rep- misrepresent me. I don't. I'm not. I don't kind of like it. His eyes were glowing when he left. The this theater. movie is bland. Yeah, but you don't hate it. With I don't hate intense. it. You don't hate it with the intensity you usually hate most things. Yeah, and, okay. and this is a movie you should hate. I found this movie to be inoffensive. I found Indefensively, kind of nothing. In defense of my ass. It, this is such a colossal waste of wonderful talent. I'm a, I am a fan of Kate Blanchett. She does really wonderful work. Sandy B. I'm a big fan of Sandra Bullock. I love, I think her scene. When she and, hit the scene in Demolition Man, I was on board from that point <laughs> from on. Speed. <laughs> Boom. I was, I, opening, I'm in. Opening weekend, I had my tickets to the net. <laughs> I'm in. And uh, I'm sure that movie does not hold up to scrutiny, <laughs> but I was a fan and uh, enjoy her work. I think she has one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history in Hope Floats, which I think is one of the most amazing scenes of an American actress in maybe the last 30 years. There's a scene in which she is in a, um employment office. And she is being interviewed by the boss of the employment office. She is an ex-beauty queen who has fallen because her husband, she finds out on a TV talk show, her husband was cheating on her. And this person who has this perfect world falls to pieces and must sort of slink her ass back to her hometown. And uh, she needs a job because her mother, her, her, her husband made all of the money. And there's a scene where she goes into this employment office and she has to get this job and she's talking to the lady and she doesn't recognize her. And it turns out that in, in college or in uh, high school, uh, Sandra Bullock was a mean girl because she was pretty and popular. And this girl was sort of the fat, ugly, unattractive girl. And so the the lady whose name is uh, Dorothy now, they used to call her Dot, and, and she starts giving it to Sandra Bullock. And there is a turn in that scene that is so skillful, so wonderful, so amazing. I've been a fan ever since. I mean, I liked her work before, but that scene has so much uh, depth and heart and talent and and well-written and well-acted. I loved her since then. That actress was not in this film of Ocean's 8. That, what about the scene in Demolition Man where she's trying to learn how to swear? You son of a bitch. That, don't, don't you bring up Demolition Man again. It's a great film. It's a great film. Great film. Stop it. You're doing uh, it just to Wesley, irritate me. Wesley Snipes, tour de force. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so as a fan of Sandra Bullock, as a fan of Mindy Kaling, as a fan of many of the women in this film, I just felt like you get all of these great women together, super talented, the ability to take really funny lines and turn them like a dagger, and you give them nothing to do. And that's what this film does from day one, from scene one, it gives them nothing to do. It gives them no great lines. And I think sometimes, because when I saw that the uh, director of this film also wrote it, I said, aha, I get it. You do? I do. I think it was named Gary Ross. Yeah. I think Gary Ross, the writer, did not serve Gary Ross, the director. I think sometimes as a director, you have to be humble enough as a writer director to at the towards the end of this film when you're putting it together look at the screen and be honest and look yourself in the face and say you know what we just don't have it we've put this film together we've hired these great actors we have a great cast great location it's an interesting story it's from a a line of films that have always already been commercially successful but you know what we don't have it from what i understand the director of black panther Ryan Coogler had a similar moment. He was getting to the end of Black Panther. This huge, oh, the filming of it? Yeah, this huge Marvel movie. He had these huge sets. He had this script that he had written. He had these great actors doing this thing attached to a great franchise and, and a great company. And Ryan Coogler, God bless him, looked in the mirror and said to himself, I don't have it. I, I don't have it. I didn't catch lightning in a bottle. And you know what he did? What? He picked up the damn phone. And he called. Nobody calls anymore. <laughs> okay. Okay. He picked up his iPhone and he texted. Right. Okay. Fair. He texted Donald Glover and Donald Glover's brother and said, Hey, I'm working on this landmark film. I need some help. And he flew them in and they punched up his script. There was no shame in just saying I need help. And he needed help. He needed to call in a comedy writer to punch this thing up. Because this thing should have comic timing. It doesn't. It should have great jokes that land. It doesn't. The women should trade punches like comic heavyweights. They don't. He brought in um, the singer Rihanna, and everything she does fall flat. She has a weird accent, and none of her lines hit or even attempt to hit. I'm really enraged that he has Anna Winter in the film. And he essentially turns Anna Winter, who is this legendary person in the fashion community, and does nothing with her. He doesn't even write her a scene. He gets Serena Williams into the thing, doesn't write a scene. He has Heidi Klum give a throwaway line, but doesn't write her a scene. We both looked at it, and she gives this line, and I won't give it away because it's a spoiler, but she says something that indicates she may play later in the film in a pivotal way in the plot, and then it goes nowhere. And we realized it was just a throwaway. I don't mind celebrity cameos, but I hate celebrity walkthroughs just for them to walk through. And there are a bunch of those in this film. Olivia Munn was in there. How about that? You like that? Where? When? Uh, there was like a three-second shot where she was complaining about something. Stab me in the neck now. Helen Bonham Carter. What's her you, name? You want to try that again? Say, say it for me. Take two. Helena Bonham Carter. Thank you. She's in the film. Does almost nothing. There's nothing interesting about her. No. She looks concerned. From time to time. She looks tired. She sure. looks like she le- needs a nap. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Anne Hathaway is in the film. Anne Hathaway is in the film with Adam Winter, who inspired her biggest hit, which is The Devil Wears Prada, and they do nothing with it. They don't have... Princess a- Diaries. <sighs> Just very frustrating. Very frustrating film. All of this talent, and they don't do anything with it, and I blame the director and writer, because he did not bring anything for these women to hit out of the park. It's a, it's a dull film. You might as well have had no names in this film if you're going to do this. 
No names don't sell tickets. Well, neither do bad scripts. Well, sure they do. And that's crappy not true. direction. That's not true. <laughs> you and I both know that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> they don't always sell tickets. How yeah. about that? Yeah, but they certainly can. Yeah, they can. Okay, so you have feelings. I I wanted to enjoy this. I was in the mood for it and wanted some of that ocean's magic that 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 fast-paced fun editing like almost 70s style filmmaking that soderbergh does so well obviously soderbergh not here to direct nope and these characters are as you say empty the performances are flat the characters are flat from the beginning here's the here was the shining light james there, there was a shining light yeah there was james corden James Corden was good. He came into this movie in the third act. And I will bet you something. He improvised most of that I would, dialogue. I would bet that most of the lines that that guy I, said. I absolutely agree. He wrote. Yeah. Because you, you, can, you can literally tell the difference when me and LJ are not trying to save the world as movie critics. We are both English <laughs> teachers. And as an English teacher, it reminded me when you, you get a, a, a student's paper and you're reading it. And automatically the voice changes dramatically. And it's clearly been copied off of mm-hmm. something yeah. and copied badly. Yeah. It felt like that. There was such a shift it's in the voice. incongruity, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. Incongruous. That guy didn't write that dialogue. That's James Corden. I bet yeah. he wrote that or improvised those lines. I'm sure he improvised most of that. Absolutely. And it works. It works. <laughs> when he comes into the when he comes into the film, oh, something just happened. Yeah. You have my attention. Act three. This is the same problem as Han Solo, the Han Solo movie. It's the uh, first two acts. Boy. Oof. Oh, boy. And actually, most of Act 3 <laughs> as well here. Act 3 really gets drawn out here. What I love, I love the movies where I grew up watching the A-Team, and that's a bad show, but I love a montage. It's a bad show. What did you say? I love the A-Team. It's not a good show. You're talking about the A-Team with, with BT. You're not talking about the A-Team, A-Team. A-Team, A-Team. Not with George Prepard and Mr. T. and Mr. T, Face. Uh, that was ben- a monumentally great Dirk show. Dirk Benedict. Are you insane? Uh, what's his name who played Barkley on Short, Star Trek? Schultz something like that. Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz. Great. Fantastic. It, it, it's not a great show. It's a, an amazing show. It's a great show. It, like I said, it's a great show. It's the 18. Okay, it's a great show. And I love a montage. I love it when a plan comes together. Yes. I love the planning. I love something goes wrong and they got to fix it, improvise how to fix it right off the bat. And this movie isn't that. This movie is, here's the plan and it's going to go exactly how it's supposed to go. There's a turn in this. Are we past the spoiler? Okay, before? here's the thing. There's spoiler section. Warning. Begins now. There's a there's a turn in here with Anne Hathaway that makes absolutely no sense. It, it makes no. To be sense. fair, the poster spoiled that she's a member of the crew. Yeah, but it makes no sense. It doesn't. I mean, <laughs> she's this millionaire essentially, ostensibly. She doesn't have many female friends. Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna commit like you know a major crime because she's lonely and has no friends. Yeah, I guess. And it's so easy the way it's done. She just kind of walks in. Essentially, they just called her off yeah. screen. Yeah, yeah. And convinced her to come in and be part All of, of it. the twists happen off screen and and you don't really see any of it until well after it's over. It's so lazy. It's 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 not just that it's bad, it's just lazy. Like it's like you don't even give us the scene. Here's the here's the thing. You and I you and I turn to each other at a certain point. It's during the whole sequence where the necklace is missing. Yeah. And they got to get everybody out of there and all that. And all of that, as far as we know, 
is, I guess, part of the plan, but the plan seems ridiculous. Yeah, it's stupid. Because it draws attention, it takes a ton of time, it puts them all in jeopardy. Exactly. And then they finally, you know, get the necklace out, the the replacement, and so on and so forth, none of which need to happen. The smart thing to do is just Just replace, switch switch it out. You can switch it on her neck. So nobody knows. Yeah, there's a scene where Anne Hathaway is on the ground and she's throwing up, and they steal the necklace off her neck, but you could easily swipe it on her neck. That's the smart move. And you and I both look at each other like, this is dumb. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, it's revealed later. Well, actually, that was the distraction for stealing the real stuff in yeah. the other room, which happened all off screen, although we get to see it later. And I guess that makes sense. But the problem with this is all of these women are professionals. They're smart. They should be in on the plan. And if this is part of the plan, not the state, they didn't tell them. They didn't tell anybody. It was just Kate Blanchett and Sa- Sandy B. They knew what was going on. Nobody else did. And the other women in this should have said, wait, you want us to do what? You want what to happen? You, yeah. you want to draw attention to us and put all of us in jeopardy? It makes no sense. For an extended period of time, because why? No Nobody raised a hand? Nobody said, well, why don't we just swipe it on her neck, have her... Just replace ca- it? Have her carry it home, give it to them. They won't find out until they look at it when it's returned. Why don't we do that? Why are we drawing attention to us? This is insanity. And we're walking around on camera. We're all criminals with records. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's completely absurd. And that's supposed to be you know one of the big twists anyway. And but yeah, everything goes according to plan. And there there's one hiccup. There's one hiccup in this. Only one hiccup happens, and that is the magnet lock, right? And everybody's like, "Oh shit, we got to fix this." And Rihanna makes a phone call, and it's solved in three minutes. <laughs> and that's it. That is the hiccup. Not only that, there is a character shift in James Corden that makes no sense. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> He's just kind. Of, yeah, it's unclear. What it is, what's whose side he's on, and why? Yeah, I mean they they, t- they turn him from you know from uh, Colombo to all of a sudden, no, nah, maybe I'm over to some. It makes yeah, no sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's I just want the necklace. How about some of it? Oh, all right, fine. Yeah, so yeah. I'll be. I'm basically going to screw over this guy, and who, I'm gonna I'm gonna frame this. Imp- I mean, this I I know guy. exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, and the guy is innocent, but I'm gonna frame him, right? Although I like you, I guess. So he screwed you over. So that makes it. It yeah it you know it's whatever it, at the end of the day I was just glad to have him <laughs> and I and I missed I missed the last ocean when did when did Danny Ocean die he it was not in he well it's implied he's not dead they leave that open in fact they leave it so open I fully anticipated a post credit scene where he walks in. Yeah. At the end, th- she's th- toasting th- him, and he walks I in. I thought we were going to see that. Too. I a hundred like that's the only way this movie ends, and it didn't. Like, because the next movie is Sandy B and Clooney team up. Ugh. You know, to Who, say what you want. But who's they, directing? Well, that's the, yeah, it, hopefully Soderbergh. Oh, my But, uh, I mean, I'm just speculating. But that's how you end that's, that movie, is with Clooney. Without that, that movie just ends with a, oh, uh, is that they, is that know, what we're, that's it? It's such okay. a mortal sin that you get Marlo Thomas and Maggie Smith in a movie. These two luminaries, these two... You know, master actors, and you just throw them away in and, yeah. and these one, you know, these one shot scenes that don't even have dialogue. Really, they're almost montage. Scenes. Yeah, for a movie that's supposed to be about women, <sighs> and especially these are, we want to embrace uh, women who are older in Hollywood that are no longer in that ingenue phase, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a movie for that. Except the women who are the the most out of that range 
are treated the worst. I agree. Which is kind of a bummer. And again, as you're saying, tremendous assets to this movie that are thrown away. But that said, the movie's, yeah. I think Suzanne's Plachette is in it, too. Yeah, I'd have to look I it up. I think she's one of the old biddies that they bring yeah, yeah. in. A bunch, of, a bunch of, you know, legend, legendary actresses at the end of this. But, you know, I mean, I'm not as angry about it as you, I guess. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just angry whenever you waste talent. Because it's such a it's such a monumentally difficult effort to get uh, that level of talent in the same room under the same contract to film a movie. So whenever you get it, I feel like you owe it to the movie community to to swing the bat. I don't even care if you miss, but I don't feel like the director swung the bat. It, it was so such a by the numbers, boring, stupid, unambitious piece. You took all of that talent and you wasted it. When is the next time you're going to have that kind of female talent under the same roof? Uh, recently, I saw another film called The Book Club uh, for one of my wife's date nights. And, and once Who'd she go with? <laughs> who did who did who go? Who'd with? your wife go with? She went with me. Oh, interesting. So we went together. That's how you guys do it, huh? That's how we do it. Huh. So we went to go see this book club, and it stars uh, Candace Bergen, Jane Fonda, Diane Mary Steenburgen, Diane Keaton. And you know what I loved about the film? It swung the bat. Some people can like it or not like it, but it was funny. They were talking about sex. They were doing physical pratfalls. The writing was funny. They had older stars like Andy Garcia. In it, we got to see Don Johnson in it, and that film, which was about these older women coming together and embracing sex in their later years, it swung the bat, and it was funny, and it was entertaining. There uh, were characters in it. They, they were they were characters in it, but they hmm. went someplace. It was satisfying, and um, you said this, which is very true. It almost seemed like when you see the trailer, it seems like a kind of fake movie and a real movie that's mm-hmm. a parody, but they actually made a movie about it and everybody looked fabulous. Jane Fonda is 80 years old and she looks amazing in this film and it's funny and vivacious. She's good. She, I mean, she came back for monster in law, right? Yeah. And that was a garbage fire. But since then she's been in great stuff like a uh, newsroom. Yeah. She's great in newsroom, a uh, bunch of other things. Exercise does a body good because she is in shape. She's very, Physical as an actor. What's that? She's got a show on Netflix. Uh, yeah, Frankie and, Frankie and, and June. John, Frankie and somebody with uh, Lily Tomlin. Yeah, Lily Tomlin and her. And they've got a really nice dynamic in that yeah, show. Yeah, she, she's, I mean, I, if I was Another that, great actress, Lily I Tomlin. I wish that I was fantastic. moving that well at 80. Because in this film. I wish I was moving that well now. <laughs> yeah, what are you, exactly. <laughs> what did you say to me the other day? I was like, how are you doing today, LJ? You were like, able-bodied. I was, <laughs> I was on a cane having a gout flare. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I love that that film took those women and it did something with them. It swung the bat because when is the next time? Never. Maybe if we get a sequel, but how often are you going to get that kind of high power talent under one director in one film? So if when you get it, do something with it. I don't even mind if it's a dumpster fire, but at least be ambitious. One thing I've always loved about Kevin Costner is Kevin Costner's has some huge stink bombs. But it is always ambitious. He always swings for the fences. And boy, when he misses, he misses. Oh, but, oh boy. Waterworld, oh my God. Oh, my God. Waterworld, The Postman. Let me tell I you mean, something. Whoa. Hey, the Postman is one of my... Now, this oh. is the thing you're going to make fun of me. The Postman is one of my guilty pleasures. It is a guilty pleasure. It, it is. It's I get it. It's my guilty pleasures. I get it. I, I get it. Here's something I did with Waterworld. I, when, I forget who aired this. It was like NBC. Like back in the day, they got the, the network premiere of Waterworld. <laughs> and it was... It was the uh, the network for Waterworld, 
uncut. It was Whoa. the it was they, wow. they added like an extra forty minutes to this yes. thing plus commercials. I was there till Tuesday <laughs> watching this thing, and it was I don't know how I sat there for the whole oh. thing. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> it was a bad movie made awful. longer. It was awful. <laughs> With commercials, I watched the whole damn you thing. Know, sometimes his movies for me get better over time. Like, I remember the first time I saw Wyatt Earp, I thought it was a mess. And the first, I don't think I even got through that whole thing. And the first 20 minutes of it is. I mean, the first 20 minutes are a mess. But if you lop Isn't off. Isn't that a Kazdan film? I think it Kazdan? is. It's a Kazdan film. If you lop off the first 20 minutes of it, after that, it gets better. When I first saw it, it was what? Because it's so ambitious. It tries to do so much stuff and it tries to walk away from the legend, unlike how Tombstone, where Tombstone just wanted to make a superhero movie, but in the West, which I get that. They wanted to live the myth. He wanted to find the man and he did this, ambas- this ambitious opus that was very badly received and badly reviewed. And I disliked it when I first saw it, but because of the ambition of the piece, after I watched it later, I said, you know, once you lop off that 20 minutes, if you can stomach through that, it actually is not a bad film. It's, it's very well acted and, is, and, and there's clearly a level of attention and detail to it that comes from a person that has an ambitious, has an ambition to create something great. When you look at Ocean's 8, there's, there's nothing handmade about it. There's nothing detailed about it. There's no passion in it. It's sort of an empty, Empty film that fills you full of empty calories. And when you have this level of talent, it's a sin. It's a sin to waste that for me. Shame on you, Gary Ross, whoever the hell you are. Shame on you. I like Pleasantville. I think Pleasantville is a fantastic film. Well, well, great. Let's go rewatch that, but stay away from Ocean's 8. Pleasantville was okay. I mean, it was fine. The biggest sin, I guess, if for me was, I mean, this movie follows the template of the first Ocean's almost verbatim. And there's even a scene. Uh, Except the part, the part where it's interesting well, and funny. I got you. I'm just saying the skeleton. They take yeah, the skeleton. Yeah, they remove you. all of the muscle and, <laughs> and the... Uh, uh, contours and stuff and just the skeleton. But Kate Blanchett plays the Brad Pitt character in this yeah. one. And they have a similar scene. She and Sandy B have that moment where it's clear she's mixing business and her personal life, yeah. just as Clooney did in the first movie. And they have that confrontation just like Clooney and Brad Pitt did. And it has, you know, a 16th Nothing. of the the tension the drama the history is Kate Blanchett calling her out it's a nothing bro. and Sandy B says yeah it'll be all right and she's and she says okay i guess so <laughs> and that's the scene it is every as you say it is a missed opportunity and and, and that that i suppose up, that's upsetting that's a that points up another thing and this there is no real protagonist that's interesting well there's no antagonist that's the th- thank you sir there's no antagonist that's what i meant yeah. there's no antagonist in this thing that is at all interesting there's no villain there's nothing to really oppose them yeah. there's nothing on the other side that means anything and so then when you have no plot and when you have a sort of a weak caper on top of that, then you have no no antagonist. It, it just makes no sense. The uh, the one thing, the Oceans, I didn't see Oceans 12. I did see one, Oceans 11 and 13. And, and one thing those movies did was they gave us someone to really want to see fall. Absolutely. Get their comeuppance. And they try and do that with Sandy B's ex, but it's it's not it's the Nothing. movie's not about him. Nothing. He's just a sideshow. He's an I, I'm trying to remember his face. 
I can't. He's he's a. He plot. doesn't even really have lines. He's a plot point. He's a. Yeah, he's, he's he's nothing. He doesn't even rise to the level of being a plot device. It's, he doesn't even have lines. It's hard to root for these characters because they don't really have anything to fight against. Exactly. They're fine without exactly. doing this. They're fine. Exactly. And they don't have. There's nothing personal except for this one tiny thing. It's a. Uh, but you know, it's. I I sound like I agree with all your points. I guess I do. But I'm just not as mad <laughs> as, as you are. This movie was, I, it's two hours. You could watch it. Don't. Take a nap. Don't watch it. Stay away. Run. Yeah, I guess. It's bad. Run like the wind. All right. So uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up for Ocean's 8, you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Right. As, a, as an intellectual exercise. Ugh. Okay. Here's my review for Ocean's 8. Ugh. I don't, I don't like the sound of that Did thumbs up. <laughs> that's my that's my review of that. That's film. not how a thumbs up sound to me. And this comes from a guy that actually loves most of the actors in it. I really like yeah. a lot of the performers. I just thought this was a bad, bad movie. I was trying to, you know, it, it, it's almost up to Ghostbusters level. So far, when we've done the let's take a franchise and make it all female, boy, we've we've had some very notable strikeouts. This and Ghostbusters, both of which were horrid films. Did not see Ghostbusters. You are a you are a healthier I'm, man. I'm going to have to get around it's to horrible. it. Horrible. And again, it's a film in which I literally not only like I love every performer in the film. Yeah, love they're all great. Those, I love them. <clears throat> Just think it was an awful film. Paul Feig is hit and miss with me. I, as a director, he's done some great stuff, but yeah, he can be real hit and miss. Bridesmaids, real good. Mm-hmm. But but Ghostbusters better than better than Ocean's Eight. Really? Yeah, and, and for one reason. Okay. For one reason is that Ghostbusters. Ghosts. No, Ghostbusters. The song. Son of a gun. Ghostbusters features comedians. And so I suspect that a lot of the stuff that I liked in Ghostbusters with the female cast that kind of worked for me has nothing to do with the director or the writer. That's performance. Th- that's Melissa McCarthy on the spot creating something that works. That's Leslie Jones creating something on the spot that works. That's, but yeah, that, that, that was those individual comics creating moments is what I suspect because everything else is stupid. It makes no sense, but they do have these little moments in that film that work. But I think that's because of the performers. A lot of the people who are in um, Ocean's 8, they're not performers. They're not comedians. They can't, uh, to use a sports metaphor, they can't get their own shot. Well, there are. I mean, Mindy Kaling is in is up there. I think with I think Mindy Kaling does good work, but she's more of and I've had this conversation about her. I think she's more of a writer. I think she writes really good stuff and performs it well. I think that's different than a comedian that can on the spot improvise stuff. You know, sure, yeah, James, I'll grant you that. James Corden is a comedian. James Corden's it, yeah, and I that's why you. I think his stuff. Works. But I mean, yeah, the, I mean, oceans. The oceans movies don't have comedians in them either, but they're well written. Well, okay, fine. I'm saying, I'm saying when it's outside <laughs> of the, the scope of well-written films, uh, yeah. well, a comedian sometimes, like a You need Robin, something to fall back on. I mean, the, yeah, the, like the a Robin orig- Williams can create a scene sometimes that's hilarious sure, and had nothing to do with the writing. The original sin is the script. It's, it's, the script, it's hard yeah. to blame the performers for that. And I'm saying that Ghostbusters equally has a weak script and I think weak direction, but there are a couple scenes in there that are really funny that I suspect, I could be wrong, I suspect emanate from the performer. Sure. Making something up because Melissa McCarthy has a certain voice 
that really travels from film to film, no matter who the writer or director is. She has these moments that are just pure McCarthy. You can, sure. you can, well, also you can Paul, feel the voice. Paul Feig does come from the Judd Apatow boot camp. You know, they work together on Freaks and Geeks, and I think they might have even worked together on Undeclared. But they've worked together, and I imagine he would have taken some of those improv lessons from him. All right, I guess uh, we've we've said way more than... Perhaps we should about Ocean's Eight. <laughs> we we covered it. Oatman's upset, and he needed he needed an outlet for that uh, to get his anger out there. It was either that or punch a puppy. So the, the, I decided this was uh, better. Well, you could do both. Nah, you know. right, you're good now. Yeah, I'm good. Feel better. Yes. All right, good. That brings us to the end. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play Music, wherever you like to get your podcasts, and drop us some stars. Some five-star reviews would be delightful wherever you listen. Appreciate that. And most of all, and most importantly, hey, tell a friend, family member, loved one. Better yet, subscribe on somebody else's phone without telling them. Get the word out on this. They'll look at their phone. What the hell is this? And with that, we will talk at you next week. Peace and chicken grease. Bye. Are you ready, Boots? Start walking. Which one's better, this or Solo? Oh, Solo, by far. I mean, it's not even close. Really? Not even close. But this one, you could see the Wookiees. Well, let's let's, let's compare. A couple things that Solo has that this doesn't, off the rap, rip. It has a solid, and, and I will say even a little surprising, even that's probably unfair to the actor, but it has a solid and surprising antagonist that is interesting and is good and is evil and is an actual force that is on the screen that you fear and is dangerous and carries some dramatic weight in the film. Sure. Solo was kind of a nothing burger. The female that he was going to save, even though I didn't think they did a lot with her, she's much better than the characters in Ocean's 8. She's much more interesting, does more things, carry more dramatic weight. I get it. I, she's I, better written. They, she's better written. There's more in, there's more. That's a better way to put it. History she, to that character she's a than better, anybody in this. She's a better written character yeah. than what these characters are. The um, actors in this movie, I think, are, are stronger performers. Yeah, but they didn't have the writing. They didn't have that, no. If they would have had the level of writing that she had, and I think she's a solid actor. From, yeah, I she is. Yeah, but I, I thought that character was, I thought Woody Harrelson character, way better than anything in Ocean's Eight.